Welcome to Team Rebetol Edition 194 with Andra Vishan, Dream Spelling, Mystic Globetrotter Astrologer YouTuber. Join the team as we get to know Andra and find out about the Mayan-based Dream Spell calendar, its implication, and how to apply it in a shifting world. Well met and welcome. How's it going, Andra? good uh coming towards the end of the day here in romania where i'm at and excited and to be here i'm stoked we could get you we tried to get you on in september but because of a confluence of many uh things it didn't work out and now we're here so thanks for bearing with us as we've kind of uh taken our time to get you on here um so this is episode 194 that will reduce to five which is the Hierophant card in the Major Arcana. It says, I am the teacher of universal law. The Hierophant, or the High Priest, is about the caretaker of spiritual knowledge, teaching others what you know, awakening to a greater understanding of the world, and paying attention to the details. Raphael, what would the angel card be? So here we got uh, the angel Katethel, which is the angel of divine blessings. And the way we go through it now, it is number eight. This angel is invoked for protection from God to inspire men to rise to thank God for consumer goods from the land. This angel has control in agricultural production, especially those that are necessary for the survival of humans and animals. The affirmation goes, I release the what-ifs of tomorrow and the if-onlys of yesterday and live fully in the now. So I'm curious, Andra, um, between the Hierophant and that angel card, what, if anything, resonates? Um, well, I would say that the affirmation resonates quite a lot since it speaks about being present, basically. So this is uh, something that I've been working at and with since uh, connecting to the calendar. And also what you shared, I find that it kind of resonated with part of the mission that I feel I have through sharing this understanding that uh, I have about the calendar. Right. It's like this exoteric kind of knowledge, taking, you know, the revelation and showing it to others kind of thing, not hiding under a bushel, mm -hmm. as they say. So I'm kind of curious, and you could be as long-winded as you want or short-winded, um, I, I guess you're from Romania. I didn't even know that, really, I, or you live there now, at least. Uh, tell us kind of what your situation was growing up, like what kind of culture you were into. When did you start turning on to magic and mysticism and, uh, you know, all that kind of jazz? I'm pretty sure there's an interesting psychedelic story about the Mayan calendar, um, <laughs> but we'll get into that later. So just kind of, you know, like I said, as long as much as or as little as you want to talk about that, the conch is yours. Okay, thank you. Um, well... Yeah, I am from Romania. I'm actually born here, so I'm Romanian. This is my heritage. Though, um, well, obviously, ever since the calendar, I kind of like discovered some more ancient past life heritage, so to say. Uh, but um, I was born in Bucharest. And uh, let's say um, my parents were always kind of 
free thinkers. Uh, something that I really appreciated about them was that they've always taught us to find our passion and do that for a living rather than, you know, live in a regular life where you have a seven to five or eight to five job and there's all of this routine and you basically answer in front of a boss. Um, so they instilled this um, this feeling of doing what feels right for us. Um, and well, let's say that um, this openness towards uh, spirituality started at around 19, where um, there were some, let's call them um, psychedelic activations, as well as documentaries that started looking at that were answering questions that I didn't even know that I was asking about reality and the structures of uh, society, basically, how distorted they really are. Um, which, well, uh, led me down this path of trying to understand more about the constructs of reality. And um, I guess the whole Mayan calendar thing, it basically appeared into my awareness right about the 21st of December, so to say, in December 2012. Um, somebody asked me a question about, uh, if I know my kid in the Mayan calendar and I was like, oh, what is that? Is this the calendar that predicts, you know, this event that is going to happen on the 21st? And I got, um, this, well, people in this, um, calendar community, the Dreamsville calendar community speak of it as an activation where you become aware of your kin my kin being the um, white spectral world bridger, which spoke about the power of death. And well, it's not death in the um, classical definition when, you know, in our society, basically in our culture, we perceive death as the end of a road. Rather, it represents the cyclical movement of life and death that gives birth to all of creation. Um, and this was something that really hit the spot for me because uh, ever since I was a kid and I experienced the death of my grandmother, that was the first um, death I ever experienced. Um, it was kind of like when I first started to realize that, oh, death is not the end of the road. I remember sitting there and looking at her body and feeling that, no, this is just her her body, it's not her. I can feel her in the room and everywhere around me in that moment. Um, so death has always been this activating factor in my life and death also coming in the form of change, you know, allowing something old within us to die. So um, after that, I didn't really pay much attention to the calendar. Um, I actually ended up dating the person that um, made me aware of what my kin is. And uh, he was really into the calendar at that time. And well, he still is. But um, I could basically couldn't really understand 
what he was trying to communicate to me about the calendar, all the codes and everything. It seemed so much information. I knew a little bit about the archetypes and the lunar tones, but wasn't following the counting of days or anything like that. Um, and well, it was on the um, close to the Mayan New Year on the 26th of July, uh, 2017, that um, I was at a festival and um, let's say that another psychedelic uh, portal opened for me. Um, and it was the first moment I think I ever experienced um, let's say downloads or talking to my higher self. Um, it was, you know, a psychedelic experience unlike any other that I've had up until that moment where I was, I, I felt as if I was communicating with a higher force and I could very clearly distinguish between my own thought forms and, uh, you know, my own inner voice and this other presence that, Oh, well, started telling me about um, how I need to leave this current relationship that I'm in that turned toxic over two and a half years. Um, and how by doing so, by getting out of this relationship, I'm going to clear a lot of ancestral karma in my family lineage on the feminine side, on my mother's side of the family. Um, you know, with my rational mind, I was trying to um, kind of like contradict or say stuff like, yeah, but I can't do that. What about this? And boom, it would give me like a very straightforward answer of this is how things are. And you can- Was this like a disembodied them. voice or like was it anthropomorph anthropomorphized in the sense like you saw something or was it just a sense like uh, Raphael channels? So he does- yeah, similar kind of world bridging moments, I guess you could say. I don't necessarily do that, but mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. I'm kind of trying to get the phenomenology of what was occurring. Clearly, you were probably like under the influence or whatever, having a good time. Maybe there's drum and bass music going in the background, and all of a sudden you're <laughs> getting told, "Dump him." It's like, how does that how does that translate? Well, um, I mean, was it like a, like an impression, or was it like "Thus says the Lord" kind of stuff? Well, all I can say that it was like I was feeling a presence outside of myself but it felt like it was inside of me because it was an internal dialogue, but it wasn't the regular internal dialogue where you have just your inner voice. No, it was clearly this presence that I later came to associate it with my higher self that was talking with uh, my mind, kind of. And it was, at, yeah, at a festival, a Psytrance festival, and there was music going out, around and people and while I was, I don't know, dancing or actually maybe interacting with people, there was in the background of me interacting with the physical world, there was this deep, intense, internal happening that was so overwhelming that um, by the end of, let's say, the trip, I made the inner decision to leave that relationship and start a new chapter. And the voice was telling me also about things that I'm kind of supposed to do with my life after coming out of this relationship, meaning what I had to give to people in that time. It didn't speak in reference to the calendar, but I'll get to that later, why this is all synchronized. Um, and 
once I made the decision to leave this relationship, like clouds of, you know, stormy like clouds started gathering in the sky, which was like, oh, okay, this is synchronized. <laughs> and um, like right after coming home the next day from the festival, I just, it was, well, some intense happenings outside of myself that led me to say that, okay, I'm leaving this relationship. And I actually broke up with that person on um, day out of time on the 25th of July. Um, and this is the day in between the years in the Mayan calendar. And uh, obviously, after uh, this huge breakup, that it was very <laughs> difficult to do. Um, there I was, alone in my apartment, uh, feeling like shit, basically. Um thinking, okay, what can I do to distract myself from feeling all of these feelings? Uh, I'm going to read about my sign in the Mayan calendar this year. Um, the thing that I picked up on these two and a half years from um, my former partner was the fact that each year for our birthday, we change our signs and we enter like a specific cycle for that year. Um, and well, what happened was that the things that the voice in my head told me I had to do this year, uh, I had to embody this year, so to say, were now on black and white on my laptop screen. Like my sign for that year perfectly matched the messages that my higher self was communicating to me at that moment. And that for me was the first profound synchronicity that I ever experienced on such a level, like having this intense internal event now manifested on my computer laptop screen. I was, I started crying. It was 2 a.m. I called my mom who I had told about uh, this experience. Uh, my mom is also like an amazing person and I can talk to her about anything. Um, and including experiences like this. So I called her at 2 a.m. She was like sleeping and I like immediately called her into my apartment to read her what was on my laptop screen, telling her like, see, this is what I told you. This is what I told you <laughs> that the voice told me. Um, so I knew somebody. Did she handle that well? Was she all grumpy? and like, what the fuck did you wake me up for? You could have told me tomorrow. Or was she like stoked? <laughs> Well, she was a little bit worried in that moment. Um, but I would say that she's so there as a parent that it doesn't matter if it's 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. She's always going to be there, which, you know, these yeah, are. I guess it's better qualities. than getting calls from jail or something. It's like, pick yeah, me up. <laughs> yeah. It took her a while to get herself around this idea of what I'm uh, working with now, but she's always been very supportive of this work that I do. Um, so you did say they were open, your parents are open-minded and you're coming from that kind of, uh, you know, um, framework or whatever, but like open-minded and like new age kind of like stuff that doesn't necessarily coincide. How, like, wh what is this like just not in the framework of uh, Romanians? Like, are they like, what the hell are you talking about? Or are they kind of into this idea? I, I mean, just kind of explain the framework. How hippie are your parents? I guess I could put it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, I wouldn't say hippie in that term, but actually, um, 
going back to 2012, the first time I he I heard somebody talk about the 21st of December 2012 as being a spiritual catalytic event was from my mother. <laughs> and at the time, you know, when she told me that, like one year before that, I was like, oh, come on, mom, leave me with this new age stuff. Uh, I wasn't so much into those type of let's call them um, predictions about what's going to happen in the future, end of the world, blah, blah, blah. Um, nor did that ascension type of um, scenario resonate with me at the time. But um, I would say that they're open-minded in the sense that they're, at least when it comes to the level of society, they are not trapped on the treadmill. Um They've been their own bosses most of their adult life. Um, they were aware of all the hitches and glitches in the matrix, so to say. Um, so we were always having spiritual talk. Well, not all of them spiritual, but like open-minded talks about, you know, is there more to reality? Or uh, my father practiced meditation for a while when he was younger and he was always talking about his transcendental meditation experiences. Um, and well, for my mother, mm, the fact that she was always so uh, close to me um, led her to understand life through my lens because what I appreciated her always and found it amazing was the fact that was able to hear me talk about my hippie stories or things like that and not judge actually trying to understand like you know a child does when he hears something new um so that always encouraged me to um be open and straightforward to her that's what's um, up and it's it's yeah, ironic yeah. to me that she's the one my mom's birthday is ironically december 21st so it's a big deal okay, in my house okay. um but okay. uh yeah right i'm like like in 2012 i was like i might be in the hills hiding from comets because of that shitty movie <laughs> or whatever you know tidal waves or whatever um didn't happen although i think this year might be kind of more the real deal of that situation we'll get to that later um <laughs> But it's dope that your mom was the one. I mean, she's kind of the messenger dove, it seems. Uh, whether she believed it herself or not, it's a totally different situation. But she was literally the uh, seed of awareness that, you know, got planted in your soil or whatever for you to even be aware of it at some level. So that's kind of mm-hmm. cool. I'm sure she probably feels, uh, I mean, not like it's her fault. That's a weird way to put it. But it's like, I bet she feels some kind of re- sense of um, <laughs> responsibility for where you've ended up at some level, uh, which also kind of plays into that she probably handled it better than I'm anticipating. It wasn't just like, mom, I'm, you know, I'm going to marry this guy and move to another country. Like it wasn't just totally random. It was like she had introduced you to this world. Um, and then I think, it, you know, the 2 a.m. call or whatever might have jarred her a little just because of the sleep scheduling. But uh, she probably was like, okay, okay. Like she's taking this seriously, I guess. Definitely very seriously. And another interesting fact was that on the 21st of December, 2012, the kin of that day was a uh, blue resonant hand, blue hand being one of the 20 archetypes within the calendar. And my mom is a blue galactic hand. So same solar seal, but a different tonal frequency. So, another connection there 
I'm curious what your mom is also, because on the end of the 21st of December, it would be in the Earth family of my mom as well, connected with the blue hand. I can maybe do that while we're talking and figure that out. Because it's mm -hmm. funny, I mean, I kind of started waking up, um, and Rafa, I'm kind of curious about what your thoughts are, obviously, jumping at any time. When he's quiet, we know he's happy. He's a he's a Libra, so <laughs> I mean, he's doing all right. Um, but I, I in 2012 specifically, I had just gotten, I mean, I was in uh, Honolulu, Hawaii for two years, like 2010 to late 2011, and um, was drinking all the time, smoking weed, working at Starbucks, just hedonistic shit. Not, I mean, not unspiritual in the sense that I've been raised a Christian, but it's like I did not give a shit, and I was self-centered, not new age at all. Moved out to, uh, I smoked DMT in November 11, 11, uh, November 2011, and met some Egyptian deities, had a Kundalini activation. It was kind of nuts, and was like, holy shit, there's a lot more to the picture than meets the eye. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And then um, moved to Colorado, was still like reeling through all that stuff. I'm, I don't need to tell you my whole story, but long story short, in Colorado in 2012, I had gotten into this relationship, was drinking again, smoking again, went through a breakup. Um, and all this stuff. So my waking up though was through like spirit science, uh, astrology, tarot, and all that kind of stuff was about 2013. But my God, there was a huge shit. I mean, I felt it. I, 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 in a sense, our reality is kind of what we believe it to be at a level. So it's like if you're sensitive to certain things, you'll experience them. Maybe if you're insensitive, they could be true, and you just don't. They're not in your you know framework of awareness or something like that. Um, but it seems that uh, the amount of change and the density of information um, that certain communities have been doing. Because uh, right around 2013, I started eating acid once a week, getting into Alan Watts, Terrence McKenna. Uh, that's when I started the Team Rabbit Hole hashtag thing, which became a meme page, which is now a podcast. Anyway, it all kind of started around then, and it was about consciousness expansion, um, a death of an old way. It's almost like we shifted into a new gear. I mean, McKenna's whole thing, I, I don't know how familiar with Terrence McKenna you are, but he kind of was correlating 2012 um, as was Nostradamus to kind of a, uh, a an increase of novelty, essentially, right? Where he's like, oh my gosh, like everything. I mean, I, I don't know if he thought it would be heaven on earth or what, but it was like things are going to be different. Like we're going to hit this mm, entrance ramp into a new highway of being. And it feels like that. Um, maybe I'm also, you know, engendering this reality because I choose to believe in it, et cetera. I don't know how objectively ultimately true it is. feels pretty true. It feels like people are waking up, so to speak. Um, so I'm kind of curious, what did the pro? I mean, all of a sudden you're like, holy shit, this is resonant. How did you go from like not really being on the wave of like ascension and stuff like that to this total thing where you're at now, basically? Um. So basically, after uh, that experience of synchronizing my inner experience with the calendar, um, I knew uh, a woman in Ibiza. Uh, she's actually the woman from which my ex-partner learned about the calendar. And um, I wrote to her about my experience and uh, filled it, her in with all the details. And because she already had a mind formed into, you know, understanding the codes of the calendar. Um, as an example, um, I was blue planetary monkey that year in 2017. And uh, the experience of... Um, having this talk with my higher self happened on a white wind day, white wind being my wave spell for that year. I know these are not some 
familiar terms for everyone, but a wave spell is a 13-day cycle anchored in the energy of a specific solar seal. And uh, she pointed out like, oh, wow, no wonder you had that experience on that day because your wave spell is on this day. Uh, I ended up having um, a reading with her and it resonated so much about what sign I was that year and what my journey was for that specific year. Again, it was almost like complimentary with the message that I got from my higher self that um, I told her that, okay, I don't know why, but I feel this urge to come to Ibiza and um, learn a little bit from you. Uh, her name is uh, Arayagua and right now she's a uh, in Bali doing all sorts of um, ceremonial light work activation of connecting people with, um, let's say, the 5D frequency, the 5D consciousness. Um, and I ended up going to Ibiza, staying there for one month in her house. And uh, she gave me some uh, books that I could read about the topic. And what was fascinating for me, obviously, I Googled some stuff before coming at her place in Ibiza. Um, all of a sudden, all this information that seemed so alien for me, I was reading it and it made so much sense. And it was easy for me to remember it. Um, you know, like in the beginning, if it was like Chinese for me, now all of a sudden something was activated in my brain and I was reading all of this information and not only did it resonate on a cellular level like I would get tingles all across my body and this feeling of heart expansion but I could connect with it on this um, very profound level it was like it awakened something that I already knew but wasn't aware I had this information kind of like stored on or inside of the light body I would say um and well after after this point I ended up uh going to Mexico after meeting someone in Ibiza who invited me to go on a trip to Mexico with him uh this happened just a few months later uh actually uh, I think while I was in Ibiza, I was talking with a friend back home and saying like, yeah, I would love going to Mexico. And uh, she told me something like, well, you know, you're already there in an amazingly beautiful place. So, you know, take it one step at a time. Don't wish for too much or something like that. And, you know, I just expressed that thought. And I think it was a few days after me verbally expressing this to my friend that I get this invitation to you know, maybe come to Mexico in the winter. And I was like, yeah, if you're taking me to the Mayan pyramids. Um, so uh, after a two month, basically after the breakup, like a whole different level of myself all of a sudden became available. Uh, one of the things was that my pattern was that in relationships, I was becoming what the other person wanted me to be. So I had no idea who I was. And all of a sudden, here I am discovering who I truly was and what I truly liked and what were the, what was my true personality, so to say. Um, and I traveled a lot that year, especially. I was in India for two months. Uh, and right after that, I flew to Mexico for another two months. That was about 
traveling almost halfway through Mexico from Yucatan to uh, Oaxaca and visiting Mayan pyramids. Um, and I don't know, right after coming back home. Oh, and it was funny that while I was in Mexico, um, a girl who is actually my hidden power in the calendar, the Blue Eagle, uh, I stayed at her place for um, two weeks, I think. Um, and I talked to her, obviously, about the calendar, because back then I was so obsessed with the topic. Uh, basically, before starting to travel in India for a few months, I read everything I could find about this topic. Um, and I kind of like made a decoding session for her and her partner, speaking to them about the calendar. And she was like, wow, it's so weird that you're coming all the way from Romania to teach us about our calendar here in Mexico. And um, a hierophant card, you know, <laughs> I mean, yeah, up, like yeah. telling them what's up, basically, to deeper understanding of the world. Uh, keep going. I have some questions about India and Mexico, particularly, uh, maybe some experiences, but I didn't mean to interrupt you. Okay, no, no, no problem. Um, and well, she kind of like told me something that um, I need to do something with this knowledge, like, since it's so easy for me to remember all these things and um communicate this complex system to people i should do something about this and i was yeah but i don't think i'm ready there's still so many stuff i need to learn and she was no start doing it and you'll also learn along the way what needs to be learned but go for it and i come back home in uh april which in the uh 13 moon calendar is actually the uh month of manifestation and I manifested this wisdom into the first video that um, I ever made about this topic. And uh, another thing was that um, in this video, I also presented to people that this is going to be that I offer sessions for decoding their galactic signature. And this is going to be donation based. And the first donation that uh, I received, the first session, which was right the day after I posted the video uh, with um, a woman I met a few years back that is uh, from Greece and she donated 100 euro. And that for me was like, whoa, you know, confirmation that this is also what I'm, th this is what I meant to do. Um, and I've tried all sorts of different things throughout my life, all sorts of different, let's say, um, ways of supporting myself. I even had my own business for a while, uh, making raw vegan sweets, um, but it didn't work out. Everything was a struggle. And with this calendar, you know, here I am doing donation based and somehow, you know, I, I feel this sense of abundance, you know, I have everything I need and some people give less, some people give more, but everything is in perfect balance. Um, oh, and just, uh, and then you can ask uh, whatever questions you want. Another profound synchronicity for me to understand that this is the path that I'm supposed to be taking with the calendar was um, when I realized that the number of my car is actually 26, which is a fractal of the 260 days of the Tolkien. And that I live at apartment 13, number 20. Um, so 
this was like, whoa, I, I wasn't even aware of this before I started working with the calendar. And here I am having all these different elements in my life that point towards this um, direction. I also had a sequence of numbers in my mind that I was constantly repeating as a child. And it starts out with a number 52, 52 being another key number within the calendar representing the 52 gap days. Um, so it seemed that most of my life was pointing out in this direction. So um, yeah, here, here I am. That's dope. Um, yeah, it seems like you got locked and loaded. You're primed for this kind of stuff. Um, you just had to kind of, I mean, it's, it, I don't know about your presuppositions, but it seems like you had, you know, had to go through some experiences before, uh, that diamond in the rough could be un, uh, uncovered in a certain sense. Um, but it's dope that you, uh, paid attention to your intuition, paid attention to that, um, voice or higher self voice or whatever. Uh, you didn't have to, obviously. And I think it's clearly evidenced, uh, nothing but cool positive experiences i'm sure it's not all easy it's hard work and all this kind of stuff but it's like it seems like uh you're jamming on all cylinders well, i'm a vegan so what's up with the vegan uh desserts thing uh i mean now i'm just gonna buckshot questions rafael if you have any obviously feel free to ask uh what what got you into veganism and what were you doing with that well I uh, remember finding a list on the internet of documentaries you need to watch to, I don't know, awaken your consciousness or something like that. And Earthlings was among them. I managed... That's got Joaquin Phoenix in it, right? Sorry? Is Joaquin Phoenix in that? I think I've seen that. I'm not sure. I just saw 10, 15 minutes of it and I closed it and I was like, I'm not eating animals anymore. It's funny. Um, I watched a PETA video or something on acid, and that's a similar kind of thing. I was like, "Oh shit! Like, I can't ever do this again." Like, I don't care. Uh -huh. I mean, I'm sure bacon smells good, and I'm not. You know, I don't hate on other people for eating meat. It's their karma. It's their choice, whatever. But at some point, it clicked for me. I was like, "Oh, I can't do that. Like, that's just not cool." Um, so it seems like, I mean, minus the psychedelics, like you were kind of in a similar smack to the face uh, <laughs> transition. Yeah. Yeah, it was, um, I think this happened also around, oh, actually around 2012, I went towards uh, this this direction of uh, veganism. And the whole idea with the, the business, since you asked about that, I don't know, it was something, it was one of the first things I discovered that I really enjoyed doing, making desserts. And uh, I tried that for a while, but like I said, it was as if, I also had these thoughts about, you know, opening a restaurant or things like that. But um, it was like, if now things flow much more effortlessly and things happen because I set the intention for them to happen with this, it was as if the universe kept putting obstacles in my path and things weren't just flowing. Um, and... I kind of believe that in the moment that you really align with what you're supposed to do, everything flows almost effortlessly. Um, and now I kind of understand that I needed to travel a lot for those, I don't know, the past, um, this year, not so much, obviously, but for the past two years, since that experience in 2017, I had to travel a lot and having 
a business like this would have definitely not allowed me to do so. For sure. Um, it's funny, I guess, uh, just a sub question to you and Raphael. I'm kind of curious over your opinions. Um, sometimes, and there's no wrong answer, I'm just kind of thinking, because you were saying, like, basically resistance means, like, don't go that way, find the path of least resistance kind of thing. Uh, how do you guys look at that in terms of challenges and overcoming? Um, because it seems like there was probably a lot of resistance. I mean, it's a weird way to put it, but it's like uh, there was a lot of static on the wire with your life when that higher self came in and it was like, you need to change this. And it was probably not easy, right? So it was maybe not, you know, <laughs> lickety split, like, oh, that was easier than anything. Um, so how do you guys kind of view following the path of least resistance in relationship to struggle slash overcoming? I personally believe that struggle is the way through which we sometimes learn, unfortunately, meaning we take the, the challenging paths in order to figure out for ourselves that, oh, this is not the path for me. This is not what I want. It's kind of like an error thing before we can truly find out what is for us. But those challenges and obstacles are the part through which we grow, we understand what is right for our soul and what is the path for us to take otherwise you know it it might be easier if we just made the right decision in that first moment but maybe we wouldn't learn so much about ourselves in this process um and yeah that's totally what's up i mean i, I agree i'm just kind of thinking out loud while you're saying that because i think sometimes um, I, I don't know how into Western astrology you are, um, but I have Mars and Cancer conjunct 12th house and Cancer. So sometimes, and with a lot of Taurus energy, like North Mid, Midheaven, Venus and Taurus. So it's like I can, but I can choose like a more, um, satiating route or something like that, like, like a safer way, which isn't always the easy, like the, it's easy, but it's not the best. So it's not much resistance, but it's like not elevating me to a place where I can, you know, Breakthrough it's, or something it's like actually that. a very particular way of seeing it, Jim, because what I would say, simply put, is the way of least resistance. Well, why is it called least resistance? Because it's actually offering the least resistance. And it doesn't mean that it's not challenging, but it certainly means it's a, less, uh, it's a lot less of a stressful struggle than doing things where you actually have resistance <clears throat> and feel like yeah, struggling against them to overcome and all of that. In in my view, by now, these are all very much just mind concepts, because even something that to someone like studying, let's say the dream spell calendar would be like, oh, my God, I need to learn all these references and 100,000 patterns behind it and correspondences and so on. But if you're really excited to do it, it's actually a way of least resistance to sit down eight hours every day and study it or through whatever other method, glean it. Um, so if you really follow that path, then I don't really see much struggle uh, on the way. The challenge is oftentimes that people think that's too easy, that can't work, that's too scary because it's actually, you know, it's just working out and even that can be scary for people. So that's more the issues in my view. Yeah, I just want to clarify because I know, I mean, it's something that I've always kind of not struggled with, but it's just like like choosing the difficult right over the easy wrong. Because I think a lot of the Western cultures are like, hey, just watch Netflix and get drunk or whatever. And it's like, that's easy. Yep, yep, not uh, really. 
Right. I guess there's a lot of resistance to their higher self in a sense, but then we, our egos yeah, kind of, yeah, would talk us out of it. And then see, and because then even just de facto, and then what is the fallout that you get from that? All the stressors and all of that and disease and so on. So can really someone tell me there's no resistance there? I'm not so sure, you know? Right. It's interesting. Um, I'm kind of curious. Uh, Raphael's been to India. I have not. Um, I'm curious as to some of maybe the highlights of your trip. Um, I have been to Belize, so I've actually been to a Mayan temple down in Belize. But um, I'm kind of curious about any highlights, any activations you might have experienced. What would that trip in uh, Mexico was like? Because that's pretty unique. Um, and obviously, because you had turned on um, Andra to the whole situation in terms of the dream spell. Um, and, and it seems like you can't, you turn on it through dream spell as opposed to the, like, uh, I, I think it's Tolkien or something like that calendar. Um, is that correct? Uh, it's the Tolkien. And, um, yeah, this dream spell isn't exactly the original Mayan calendar that the Mayans, the original group of Mayans still existing in Mexico and Guatemala still use today. Um, it's kind of like a tool to help us escape this artificial paradigm of time that we are living in. Uh, but the dream spell is composed of the 13 moon calendar and the Tolkien together combined to create this, uh, system basically. Um, so regarding India, I can say there that, um, well, it was for me, anyway, my first time outside of my comfort zone, traveling outside of the country by myself. Uh, I ended up going there through um, a yoga retreat organized by someone I knew in Romania. And after a week with them, I went off <laughs> in my trip. I also did a yoga teacher training, but it was kind of like this activation in connection with the feminine energy. Um there's uh, this, um, what is called the planetary holon in the dream spell system, where each of the 20 solar seals correspond to specific places on the globe. And actually around India is the archetype of the red dragon, which was my challenge in that year of the blue uh, planetary uh, monkey. And um, it brought forth into my attention a lot about the feminine energy, actually. Um, got a book randomly from a bookstore in Rishikesh about um it was by Padmaon Prakash I'm trying to remember the name now it was something about the power of Shakti and it spoke in that book about the um suppression of the feminine energy and all of those things and while I was reading that book I again I was feeling all sorts of activations and cellular remembrances like crying over the book as if I was remembering what I had experienced in those times described in the book um and I also was there in um Oroville in India which is said to be one of these amazing spiritual uh, communities um and uh, yeah, among anything, it was this activation towards the connection with um, the feminine energy and understanding it on a deeper level. Um, I don't know, sometimes, many times, actually, I consider myself 
almost as connected to the masculine as I am to the feminine. Maybe it was on some level easier for me to connect with the masculine was that while I was growing up, I had a lot of guy friends, but um, it deactivated my, this deeper connection with my feminine aspects. I was a person who used to repress emotions a lot. Um, and well, after that awakening in 2017, I started dealing with my emotions. So deepening my connection with um, the uh, this these aspects of the feminine energy. And Mexico was, um, I don't know, like this amazing, I'd, I'd call her mother, Mexico, because, you know, while a mother nurtures you and takes care of you and make sure that you have the most pleasant experiences. It also, you know, skulls. She can make you eat your broccoli or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She can she can try to redirect you on the right path when you're going on a wrong path. And let's say um getting into a little bit more um of the story of Mexico, I was there invited by some guy I was really into and we were having this thing that kind of like we met in Ibiza had a thing there and then um after meeting again in Mexico things just didn't click anymore some things were wrong and I'm not going to get into too much detail but it was in Mexico where I had this profound awakening moment that I don't love myself because if I would have loved myself, I would have never allowed myself to come into this station. And for me, that was like, because I was kind of like going into the patterns of my old relationship that I have just a few months before this or half a year before this gotten out of. And I was going into my chameleon mode of hmm, feeling what the other person <laughs> expects or wants for me and trying to mold myself onto the wishes of that person. So it was like the universe giving me a big, big signal that, uh-uh, not this path, not again, you just got out of this. So stick stick to your path. Learn how to love yourself before you're able to love another. Um, and also something very interesting that happened for me in, uh, in that trip to Mexico was that I discovered um, this uh, amazing water therapy that... I basically got after what I sometimes describe as the worst day of my life, that aha moment that I don't love myself uh, enough. And on the next day, I got this water therapy called Aguajara, where, well, water is very connected to emotions, to our emotional body. And uh, water acts as a very powerful conductor between our conscious and subconscious mind. So on that, or the day after the worst day of my life, here I am in the pool with this amazing girl or woman, actually, um, Sarah. And she gave me this therapy, which is kind of like she floats you in her arms and you also have a nose clip and then you go under the water. And that was for me this incredibly profound experience where I felt I was being reborn it feels very wombly like you're I don't know in the womb of your mother um and also it did something to me um to my subconscious mind where if before I was struggling with expressing emotions uh 
after the session, I was starting to be able to allow them to flow much more easily without resisting them or trying to suppress them. And also it healed my relationship with the water. Um, I had basically didn't have such a good relationship with water in general, didn't drink too much water. Uh, I could spend years without going to the seaside. Now, summer and not being at the seaside is something that I can't imagine. And this happened right after the session. I It activated this need inside of me for water because water is, you know, such an amazing healing uh, energy that can cleanse so much of the old that is within us. So these were um, the two major things I got from Mexico on an internal level, this um, cleansing with the water session that's a few years or actually a few months after this, I ended up taking a training to actually learn how to do this. Um, my first thought after coming out of the water and ending that one hour session was that, oh, I need to learn how to do this to other people because this is amazing. And um, it was this um, also the fact that it felt so dreamlike to me, besides all of the bad stuff that were going on on an internal level, I still couldn't believe that I was there. I was for the whole time as if I was in almost another reality. It seemed magic to me that there I was walking on the footsteps of the pyramids, um, being there and experiencing the energy of those places, which was quite profound. There's this there's this feeling of something ancient and this, I don't know, cosmic wisdom almost embedded there in the stones of the pyramids and in that specific, in, in those specific places. Um, Kalakmul was for me the most amazing pyramid that I visited in Mexico. It's close to the border to Guatemala and you drive in the jungle for almost two hours before reaching the pyramid. And then when you're on top of the pyramid of the sun or of the moon, everything you see around you, 360 degrees is just green, just jungle. And that was such a profound experience for me to just be there on top of the pyramids, looking at the trees that seemed as if they were waved. It was incredible. Um, and uh, yeah, that was that was my my Mexico experience. Did you happen to do any like um, shamanistic psychedelic stuffs on that thing, or was yeah. it pretty trippy by itself? Yeah, I don't know. It I just, it's like that's a mushroom kind of area. I'm pretty sure. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, for example, in Palenque, you find uh, Mexicans who sell you mushrooms picked up from around the pyramids they actually grow there uh the golden teachers i think they're called or i'm not sure but the cubensis definitely that's the terminology by which i know them um so yeah that's kind of that, cool that... that the ruins of a city have magic mushrooms growing out of them i mean in the you know if let's just say there's a crazy reset and like there's ruins of new york i highly doubt there's gonna be weed plants or mushrooms growing in new york or whatever 
Well, I'm not sure about that. They, it, de it depends definitely on the type of landscape that is there. Uh, too shy, too shy. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's this. There's actually all sorts of statues representing tiny little humans with like a mushroom hat on them, dating from the Mayan and Aztec and Inca cultures. Um, so it was something, it was one of the medicines that they used also with um, uh, peyote and San Pedro and cacao. These are plants that are all specific of that uh, region. So they they were definitely using all of these plant medicine as well. I say let's take a quick music break. Um, you can get some mm -hmm. tea or go to the bathroom if you want. And when we come back, okay, I have sure, a couple sure. more questions um, about just kind of comparative culture um, charts, even kind of what you're talking about, like astrocartography, it sounded like, mm -hmm. to a degree in terms of the Mayan stuff. Uh, but anyway, we can, and then we could talk about the calendar more specifically if you want, whatever's clever. Um, but yeah, let's go ahead and take a music break. Okay, sure. All right, so we'll be back in five. And welcome back. That was a cool track, Rafael. Good job. Uh, I liked it. I, I've never heard that, so that's dope. Um, all right. So I'm kind of curious. Um, you had mentioned, you know, India had this place that unlocked a portal for you because of certain astrological um, alignments, essentially. Uh, do you believe that that's kind of a thing? I mean, I'm kind of curious because in Western astrology, that's called astrocartography. So there's a few places just based off of my charts, like, you know, go here, go here, go here. Um, how does that work in the dream spell situation? Um, so <clears throat> I would say that this works um, very much on a personal level in the sense that uh, it's, you know, even for people with the same kin, it can mean different things, different messages. But um, definitely, I would say there's a very big connection between um, let's say the kin of uh, a specific year or a specific day and experiences that we have though i wouldn't say that um they necessarily tell us where to go more like um by understanding the energy of each day and how a kin looks like and what is the guide challenge hidden power or complementary energy of a kin um, it reveals to us these connections or synchronicities that otherwise we wouldn't be aware of. Like, for example, I would have never known that India is connected with the challenge that I had that year. If it wasn't for uh, the calendar, I wouldn't have made the connection that because I was in the wave spell of the white wind, that's why my activation happened on a white wind day. So. The way that I, um, let's say, use the calendar and I encourage people to do so because many people ask me uh, stuff like, when is the best day for doing a specific practice? When should I uh, start something new in my life? What are the best days for that? And although there are certain archetypes, for example, that are good for starting new things, the red dragon definitely being one of them, being the first sign within the Tolkien, the mother that births a new reality. However, it is, it always depends 
um, in the sense that each person, like I said, is going to have a different experience. So what for me might be as a good day for starting something new, maybe for another person is a good day to do something different because each archetype can be interpreted in, well, just like astrology in so many different levels and meanings and understandings. So um, it really It seems a little on... more dynamic than Western. So like, for example, like I've got a Saturn placement in Egypt. So I'm like, all right, if I go there, I'm not going to get my ass kicked by karma or teacher or whatever, which doesn't surprise me about meeting Egyptian DMT. Yeah, I was going to say, I was like, I don't know if I have to go to Egypt. I, I've had that moment. But um, that seems more like concretized, whereas it seems like there's much more fluidity within even the years changing or sign changing within a year. And in Western astrology, we call that progress you know, sun or whatever. I mean, I think it's similar, but those systems are Babylonian. What you're dealing with is essentially Mesoamerican, ultimately. Um, so uh, it, it's weird because I think in a sense, like, how would I even put this? Um, and this is what I was going to ask a, a little about how you compare maybe different like reality tunnels. It seems like different groupings of people because, uh, I mean, the pyramids and stuff down in South America resemble very much um, – Egyptian pyramids at levels. I mean, it's not the exact same ar ar you know, architecture, but there's motifs and enough resonance that uh, it's interesting. Some people say that's because of its post-Atlantean, you know, migrations or whatever. Some people might say they're just, you know, eating the same kind of psychedelics and seeing certain things. Or I I'm not really sure if there's one or more than one quote reasons. Um, but what I'm kind of getting at with the Western model, it seems like there's like, all right, there's a few places like this is a good place to live. And it doesn't really change based off of the year where, um, and it's a little not older, but it seems like it's, it's a certain type of embeddedness in time where whatever revelations the Mayans were getting, it seems as a more fluid time. Um, obviously circle, you know, when you see the calendars, it's like wheels within wheels within wheels. It's, it's very uh, combinatorial. Not that astrology isn't that way, but it seems even more dynamic, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, so India was good for you that year because of certain circumstances. It wouldn't have been good for, quote, everybody, clearly. And maybe that won't ever be a place you have to revisit kind of thing, right? Um, it's definitely a very fluid and flexible system. Despite having this very fixed structure, it's constantly changing. Uh, and it's this, like you said, the cyclical movement the calendar is all around this cyclical movement the tones moving in one direction the solar seals in another and uh it's all based on the spiraling movement that well on one hand our earth makes around the sun giving us the 365 days um the moon moving around the sun giving us the 13 months 28 days each which is connected to the lunar cycles um, and also this calendar system is connected with the movement that our solar system makes around the cosmic central sun, which the Mayans described the Hunapku, um, described as the galactic center, the um, seat of wisdom and knowledge in this galaxy, this original point of oneness and unity from which everything in the manifested world expanded from. Um, and this spiraling movement is very specific to uh, to the dream spell calendar. And I would actually say that it helps our mind tune into this spiral type of frequency because 
because of the way we experience time on this linear level and, you know, measured through the ticking of the clock, this artificial timeline, um, basically, we experience time a little bit distorted from uh, its true essence and meaning. It's kind of as if we've tried to take the fourth dimension of time and drag it here into the third dimension, trying to give it a shape and form and quantifying it. Um, but truthfully, time is not something that we can quantify in this fixed, measurable sense. So um, this calendar really expands our awareness to be able to see cycles, to think in cycles, to understand not only the cyclical movement of you know, our solar system and the universe itself, but also all of these cyclical movements that happen within us. Um, and what I mean by this is that, yes, we change signs every year for our birthday, but it's based on um, what is called an Earth family. And an Earth family is a group of four solar seals, uh, one of the four main colors within the Tolkien, red, white, blue, and yellow. And every year we go through one of these cycles and each color has um, a specific meaning as well. Red is always the color of initiation, bringing the new into our life. Um, white is the refining, tuning, adjusting process, many times associated with a symbolic death that we need to go through. Uh, blue is transformation, transmutation, the inner alchemical process. So that was my year of the blue planetary monkey. And yellow is the um, ripening of our inner fruits, the result of the inner work that we have done for the previous three years. Now it's finally manifesting to the surface. For example, when I switched into my yellow sign for... Um, right after coming back from Mexico, this happened. I moved into uh, the yellow spectral warrior. Um, and just a few days after that, I started manifesting this inner knowledge that I acquired uh, through the videos. Um, and it was the manifestation month. So um, yeah, this is this is all about cycles. So it really helps us to see the deeper meaning of time, to get out from this limited, kind of like materialistic perception of time and really become aware of how time is actually the force of synchronization within the universe. And that's how we are able to, um, let's say, receive telepathic, downloads from maybe higher beings or beings from different planets and different solar systems because you know we have this experience of oh this sorry this perception that oh that planet is thousands of light years away we could never reach it but telepathy is instant throughout the universe um and actually this calendar can be quite an interesting tool to help us activate our um telepathic abilities. The Mayans were a telepathic culture, actually, and a lot of the information and wisdom that they received was coming from telepathic attunement from the star the star system, Sirius, Sirius A and Sirius B. It said that this was the home of the original Mayans that 
created uh, this amazing calendar system and uh, created the pyramids as well. Um, so yeah, telepathy is um, one of the things that this calendar is trying to cultivate within us. And yeah, another thing that I really noticed, which is um, very interesting, is the fact that, well, I would say that um, telepathy is this, you know, I'm thinking about something and then the other person ends up saying it, or I'm thinking about someone and that person calls or texts or things like that. Um, and I've noticed that people are aligned with this calendar without actually knowing that they are, um, in the sense that on specific days that have, let's say, uh, a specific solar seal, people that carry that energy of the solar seal are going to many times contact me. This has happened uh, frequently. And I see this kind of like, you know, on some unconscious level, they are receiving this telepathic attunement with the universe and that then they are kind of like allowing it to flow through them and they end up connecting with me, the person that can point out this connection, this understanding, because the 20 solar seals and the 13 lunar tones are codes and pulsations coming from the cosmic central sun, the Hunabku, and they are interpreted in these 13 lunar tones and um, the 20 solar seals. Um, and basically by understanding all of these codes, we can not only come into communication with uh, the universe, but we can also attune to our, attune ourselves to its rhythm and its pulsations. It is said that this 1320 frequency of the calendar is the frequency of telepathy and the frequency of time throughout the universe that um, synchronicities are actually possible due to, um, let's say, a very precise mathematical order uh, coming through these sacred numbers, 13 and 20 in particular, and also 26, 52 different numbers within the calendar. And the Mayans believe that numbers held specific vibrational qualities that we can attune to. So this is exactly what the numbers within the Mayan calendar help us do. They help us attune to this higher frequencies. Um, I'm not sure if I answered your question. I kind of oh, no, I'm loving this. You're rambling and it's, I love it. I'm a Gemini, so it's all good. Um, well, okay. I'm just sitting here thinking, I'm like, should I ever care about my original sign? Like, I mean, are you... Exactly. Okay, so you are aware of that, and then you also check in on what your, you know, I guess in a, in a calendar, you type in your birthday in this year, and that would tell you what this year is for mm -hmm, you. Mm -hmm. All exactly. right, simple enough, right? Um, all right, yeah, because it's 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 not that complicated, but it's so Greek to what I'm used to that I've dabbled with it. But then I was also trying to get into like eight other systems at once, so I was just kind of like, all right, whatever. Uh, my fiance is pretty into it. Um, Right when we when we started uh, getting together, she got like a combination kind of reading of of our stuff, and it seemed pretty intensely accurate. And I've always resonated with it a little. It's just 
agree. It's just alien to me a little. Speaking of aliens, you're talking about Series A and Series B. I'm curious, Raphael, if you've ever heard any of this stuff. I know that the Mayans, at least um, peripherally what I'm aware of, is like they're pretty in tune with Venus cycles, it seems. Like that was a big deal. Sirius seems like a big deal. Um, I don't know. We can kind of geek out. Like do you look at like Mayans as like Pleiadian types more? I don't know why I've heard that, but I've heard that somewhere. You're saying Sirius. Um, any kind of weird knowledge you want to drop on that level, the galactic kind of front? Uh, well, first of all, the um, number 52 that I mentioned before is actually known as the Syrian code because, um, well, 52, uh, sorry, uh, Sirius is actually a binary star system and Sirius B is rotating around Sirius A. And this rotation cycle takes 52 years. So put within the Tolkien, we have 52 gap days. And actually, um, when we are 52, going through all of these permutations through our Earth family, at 52, we come back to our original kin. It's like, it's called a Syrian rebirth. Um, Basically, we're coming back to our main energy uh, because... what you asked before, if it's relevant, knowing your main kin, definitely. Um, This is basically the frequency that we resonate with the most. This is what we came here to learn how to embody the kin that we have. Um, And at 52, we come back to our original kin, but, you know, this time with a completely different awareness because 52 years have passed and we have understood so much about ourselves and, you know, our gifts and shadows and all these things. Um, but what um, what this cyclical movement also does is going through personalized cycles for that specific year, helping us understand more about what this year is going to be about. What are the challenges that are going to come what are going to be the obstacles the shadow aspects that we need to understand within us but going back to um Sirius um even the uh Mayan new year is correlated to the appearance to the appearance in our night sky of this star uh, after being hidden for uh, a few months and on the 25th of July is when the star Sirius arises before the sun, like right above the sun, and it aligns with the sun, creating like this perfect act, so to say, from, you know, the way we see it here from Earth. Um, And that's why this 25th of July, this is called um, Day Out of Time. It's basically... Because in the 13 moon calendar, um, having 28 days within a month and having 13 months, this gives us 364 days. And this day out of time is um, meant to align the lunar cycles with the solar cycle. So this is seen as a special interdimensional day where because Sirius is rising before the sun, um, we can much more easier access this galactic knowledge and wisdom. And um, like I think I mentioned before, but the Mayans believe that their ancestors came from the Syrian star system. 
Um, and actually, um, Jose Argeles, who was the person that brought all of this information to the surface, and he created this dream spell calendar through the combination of um, the Tolkien and the 30 Moon calendar. Um, he also received all of these telepathic attunements from Sirius. Um, so much of the calendar is around the star system. Um, Pleiades, I haven't actually heard about this one. I might just be making but, shit up. It's one of those <laughs> things where I've heard so much stuff over the years where I'm like, I might just be blending it all together at this point. Um, mm -hmm. But it, with the dog day, you're right, in July. Because it's weird because it gets geographically relevant, right? Where it's like in the Southern Hemisphere, they're not going to be experiencing this. That's probably why there aren't Mayan cultures in the Southern Hemisphere, uh, you know, like Australia or whatever. It's a different kind of system, uh, even though the Dogons are dealing with serious stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. But it's funny, the last time I ate acid, uh, I, I used to trip a lot, and then I took breaks, whatever, did it, w you know, weekly, monthly, whatever, and the last time I tripped was the day out of time. Um, my fiance's like, you should take a break, <laughs> and I'm like, all right, well, it's, I'll do it once a year, so right now I'm on schedule just to trip on the day out of time. I don't know if that's a good idea. Um, I might do them sooner than that, just because it's been a while, I'm like, oh, I think I, think I got the lesson, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, um fascinating Rafael. you've been really quiet you have any questions or kind of uh perspectives to throw in here um uh, i think dolphins have to do with serious oh yes dolphins definitely um it is said that they kind of carry this cosmic frequency of unity and interconnectedness because you know they're living together harmoniously as a tribal kind of energy I, oh, I don't sorry they live in pods. Yeah, sorry. That, that's the term that it's I was... It's a tribe. It's all good. I it's was, like their yeah, yeah. communities. <laughs> it's like their But that was the term group. that I was um, looking for. Yeah, and also, um, I don't know, I started actually recently um, after reading in a book that dolphins have both hemispheres, so also the left and right. Um, there's no division between them, kind of like this... It is said that they are basically here on this planet to kind of connect us with the potential of what we could be <laughs> when the two different contradictory aspects within us, the light and shadow, masculine and feminine, are integrated in a more of, let's say, an androgynous type of consciousness. Um, I've actually started this process of in my morning routine that I have, I listen to dolphin sounds. And the first time I actually did that after reading in a book about this thing with the hemispheres was that I experienced this very deep cleansing of my sinuses in the sense that, you know, based on, let's say how my energy is in a specific day, if it's more towards the masculine or feminine, a certain nostril may be a little blocked. And I listened to that and it was like, boom, complete, perfect, 100% breathing. And I could feel like almost on the line where um, the hemispheres basically divide, I felt that tingling and I still do after uh, listening to their sounds for like 15 minutes. So, um, yeah, dolphins. And I remember reading uh, in one of Hosarkeles' books about whales as well. So, uh, yeah, their frequencies can do some interesting stuff. Uh, also, because they're 
connected to this water type of energy as well. What I said earlier about water being the um, portal from the unconscious mind to the conscious mind, bringing to the surface what is unconscious within us. Um, I think people can have some interesting experiences if they, you know, open up to the sounds of dolphins and whales in this meditative type of state. That's what's up. Uh, dolphins are awesome. Uh, we've had a guest or two talk about uh, John C. Lilly and dolphins and psychedelic exploration and stuff. Um, so, yeah, I think they're kind of a key to the situation. Even in uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, they're kind of like, you know, thanks for all the fish or whatever. We're out of here, kind of aliens <laughs> yeah, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it seems like uh, something to aspire towards, um, the, that unified consciousness, the sense of play. Um, it seems like they're having a fun time all the time, non-polarized kind of thought stuffs. Um, I'm curious as to, I think we just recently, I, I mean, I, I, every morning I look at the Mayan calendar, I've got this 13 moon calendar, um, but it's still pretty alien to me. So I'm trying to like just habituate myself with it enough where it's like, okay, I kind of see the pattern, but it's, I'm not immersing myself deeply enough to quite grok it yet. Uh, didn't we just enter a new cycle of some kind? Uh, am I tripping on that? Uh, didn't we just finish the 260 or something like that? My fiance was saying. Actually, we just started a new Tolkien count with the uh, red magnetic dragon, the first sign within the Tolkien. Um, and, you know, because the Tolkien. That was yesterday. Too... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yesterday, today. Um, and on the solar eclipse that just happened two days ago on the 14th, it was a yellow cosmic sun day. I find this interesting that I've noticed that sometimes eclipses, I mean, actually many times, eclipses are either, if they're a solar eclipse, it's a yellow sun day or a day that has the yellow sun somewhere in the kin. Or if it's a lunar eclipse, it's on a red moon day or a day with the red moon archetype within it. Um, but, um, I just wanted to add the fact that the Tolkien having 260 days, um, it's not going to happen the same time every year. Um, obviously because it's 365 days. So the first day of the Tolkien happens twice in a year, which gives us this, um, permutation cycle combining the two calendars during which in 50 in 52 years every day is a unique combination between these different um these two different calendars the Tolkien and the 30 moon calendar so for example uh yesterday um when the uh Tolkien count just started it was um within the 30 moon calendar the third day of the first week of the sixth month in the you are correct lunar i'm year. looking at this calendar as we look at it you're like you're good you got this shit down pat for sure <laughs> um and the next time it's going to be a red uh magnetic dragon day it's going to be a different day within um the Tolkien count i believe it's going to be somewhere in the second month because it's going to be around september um, so yeah, the second month. Um, so it's important to understand that during these 52 years, so it's again, number 52 of the Tolkien calendar, it's going to be a lot of movement. I kind of see the 13 moon calendar as the structure 
for that specific year that is very clear, that is um, harmonic and uh, sequential, basically. And it doesn't change. It kind of stays the same. But with the Tolkien, that's when you add the different nuances and flavors to each day, um, going through all of the 260 permutations. Okay. Um, so there is a lot, a lot of meaning that can be found within each day on one hand, interpreting the 30 moon calendar, every month having a specific resonance, every day of the week corresponding to a specific chakra within our body. Then you add this uh, Tzolkin, which helps us um, interpret the subtle energies of each specific day and how they interact with us. And this is the part where I feel that the Dreamspell calendar is an amazing tool for self-development and self-discovery. This is how I started using it um, because I soon enough noticed this pattern happening in the sense that certain days, certain bad days that I would have had something in common. And usually it was a specific solar seal my uh, gateway towards the calendar was the white mirror ar white mirror archetype. And um, basically one of the main teachings of the white mirror is this understanding of how we are reflecting our outside experience through our inner perception and our inner patterns and programmings and how, you know, the outside world is this, powerful mirror for what is going on internally inside of us. So I had to go through this portal in order to kind of get a deeper understanding of um, how to create the experiences that I really want for myself and how to clear away all of the unconscious programs and patterns that were generating this, let's say, distorted reality or distorted perception of reality that um, I had. Um, so I'm rambling again. <laughs> no, that's all good. I'm very okay with it. Um, so I'm kind of curious, what are the best things you found in implementing? Because it's obviously like, I mean, you're in Romania. It's not anywhere near Mexico. Um, I'm not sure how much of the astrolo you know, astronomy you can even see that's similar just because of the latitude and longitude differentiations. But um, what are some of the highlights? Like, obviously, you feel, quote, more in sync it seems. Uh, are there any downsides other than the fact that you have to like think with so many different, like, you know, Gregorian calendar and the, this is not this one. And then uh, 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 like that might just be like the technical side of it might be the most confusing and maybe difficult hurdle of it all. But um, what are the pros and cons of, you know, implementing the system in your life that you've seen? I want to kind of ask you a question about YouTube and how that whole experience has been. Um, and then I want to read actually something from this galactic language of light, Mayan Oracle I've got that I think you'll enjoy. Um, but yeah, what are kind of the, like, if for someone who's like, I mean, I'm not a total noob, but I might as well consider myself a total noob. Um, what are the pros and cons of entering into this, uh, you know, navigation system? Um, so I'm going to start with a con. <laughs> um, and this is also based on how I first started to try and use the calendar. Um, and I've heard other people say to this, say this as well, that they met people connected to the calendar and they were doing this. So that's why I feel it's important to uh, bring it to people's attention. 
this is not a calendar system to um, better plan your days or find the perfect day in which to do something. Um, and I've noticed sometimes, and like I said, myself included, when I was first working with the calendar, I was trying to organize myself based on it. So it's more like say, a strategy. So I'm like, okay, yeah. that's the perfect day to plant a garden. And this is the day to go to the bank or whatever. Yeah. For example, on red serpent days, uh, I would, um, you know, try to, I was going through a period uh, before going to India where uh, I wasn't so dedicated to my yoga practice. And every day for days that had the red serpent as a kin, uh, sorry, as a solar seal within the kin, um, you know, I would try to make myself do these physical stuff that wasn't usually working because on red serpent days, the way it sometimes functions, it's, it reveals to us through our physical body um, things that we might not be doing right internally. So it always happened that I would hit something like a toe or my knee on red serpent days when I was trying to, you know, deepen this physical practice. Or um, there were blue night days, which is about diving into the inner world. On blue night days, I was, yeah, today's the day for introspection. And then you know, on that day, something happened and I had to get out of my cocoon and bubble and go help my mom do something at her place or things like that. Um, so one of the cons would be that many times people try to use it as this type of tool um, and they can get a little bit lost in it, in, you know, finding that perfect day in which to do things. For me, my experience was that the universe kept telling me that this is not the way to go. This isn't a tool for planning out your day. This is a tool to allow things to flow and happen naturally. And, you know, at the end of the day, well, you know, whenever you check the kin of the day, if you don't know them by heart, like I do, so for me, it's kind of hard to allow myself to be surprised, but I still am. Don't get me wrong. You know, when something happens, I'm like, oh, it's obviously that it happened today because today is this energy. So it's more this tool for observing uh, synchronicity rather than forcing it. Because, you know, when we're forcing it, it's not really a synchronicity anymore. It's something that we pushed to happen. We forced it. Um, so other cons... Personally, I haven't. Oh, another con would be that you stop celebrating the Gregorian New Year, which right. you know it it depends. Everyone's for partying each on person. December thirty first, and you're just like, nah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had this ritual where, um, in the last three years for the uh, Gregorian New Year, I was just sitting in my house, you know, reading something or whatever, watching a movie, and I would hear fireworks in the distance, and I was like, oh. You know, this is happening. Um, this year, I allowed myself to be dragged my, <laughs> I'm joking right now, but uh, I allowed my boyfriend to convince me to go to a gathering for this, um, this for Gregorian, Gregorian New falsity. Year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, and yeah, obviously, sometimes um, it makes you feel a little bit alien because all of a sudden you have all of this language and all of these codes that you keep speaking to people and they're like, 
yeah, whatever. Today is a what a lunar wind day, whatever. I don't know what that means. Keep on, keep on talking. I got a lot of um, people from my past, high school, the school, mid school, or things like that, unfriend me. <laughs> I started getting public with the whole working with the dream spell calendar. Hey, if um, they can't hang, they can't hang. That's how I look at it. It's like, <laughs> is it like because like, you're in contact with the devil, or what's their What's their hang up? Uh, sorry, I didn't get that. Like, do they think you've like sold your soul, or do they think you're insane, or what's the issue with them? I, I, I didn't actually talk to them. They just unfriended me. But yeah, many people believe that this is something very weird, and I might have gone crazy or things like that. Especially, let's say in the beginning when I was super excited about finding all of this knowledge. Every person that I would meet with in the physical that either came over or I went over, it was talking about the calendar. I was so excited by this and I wanted to share it with people. And sometimes I got this reaction of, yeah, okay, whatever, you've gotten weird. Have you been taking too many psychedelics lately? I think you have that type of a perception. But what was interesting was that if I convinced somebody for me to give them a reading they couldn't unsee it they're like oh this shit's real could, could, yeah it was even people that were skeptical and i can totally feel when the person comes to me and says yes because they're kind of like trying to dismiss it mentally whatever i'm going to say i could feel in their energy this relaxation like I was starting to, you know, speak about light and shadow aspects. So sometimes uncomfortable things that are within each person. And I could feel like them going internally like, oh, shit, she knows what she's talking about. So it's been really interesting in that sense. Um, so these, I would say, would be the cons of working with the Dream Spell calendar. Now the pros, like I said before, synchronicity on a much more profound level. Um, you have all of these different codes through which you can understand it. Um, and also being a harmonious calendar with these, because if you look at the 13 moon calendar, it's, you know, you have four uh, weeks, seven days each and 13 uh, months. And when you look at it, it's so beautifully harmonious. When you look at the Gregorian calendar and all of the disharmony in the months, you know, 30, 31, 28, and all of that irregularity, when you put the two systems together, it's obvious that this uh, dream spell calendar is something that reconnects us with the harmony of time, the harmony of the world around us. And also um, it helps us harmonize ourselves internally um, through the understanding of the energy of each day and how the patterns might be interacting with us. It helps us understand the inner movement of our being, our inner cycles. It can expand our consciousness to see let's say the bigger picture of reality for me when i first started connecting with this calendar it was like this deep understanding that wow the universe is perfect the universe is magic it's in harmony oh my god yeah <laughs> oh my gosh it's in harmony um and it kind of like reinforced in in me this 
perception of God or how um, Stephanie South, who was the apprentice of Horsera Kellis, used this uh, acronym of, or not acronym actually, um, G-O-D, God, Galactic Ordering Dynamic. And it's it really helps you see all of these invisible threads that exist in this universe. Like I said, it helps um, it helps us develop telepathic attunement with other beings from this planet or from other planets and star systems. Um, and also be because it refers a lot about um, experiencing time on a different level and by freeing our mind from these artificial constructs and these barriers that we basically have put around our perception of time. No, we, we think that time is the way through which we uh, work. Basically, we spend our time by working every day in order to be able to sustain our existence on this planet. Time is money. No, this is one of the key phrases for the um, consumerist and globalist society. Um, and we have lost touch with the spiritual aspects and experience of time. So not only does it expand our understanding of time, but it makes us understand that time is actually art uh, in the sense that how we live our time and what we do with it represents the work of art. Our life is the greatest work of art. So it does many interesting things for our psyche, for our mind. It aligns us with this harmonic frequency that exists throughout the universe. Um, and also something that I've noticed for myself, um, it really, like by understanding my own kin and the cycles that I go through each day, it has brought me on this deep shadow work path, so to say. Um, so I don't know, there are so many amazing things that we can get through not only understanding our own kin, but also the kin of other people around us. Uh, for example, when I was studying all of the 20 solar seals and the 13 lunar tones, not only did I understand people in my life and their experience, and I was reading about them and their shadow aspects and being kind of like, oh, you know, I can't be mad at this person anymore because now I understand them. Um, it has also given me understandings of how to work with the shadow, how to overcome it, how to turn it into light and integrate it. Because basically this is what it's all about within, within life, basically. It's about understanding the shadow, why it's there, accepting it and integrating it into our being basically turning it into light so um i would say these would be the main benefits of uh attuning to the dreamsville calendar it's funny i mean it always has appealed to me i've been to a mayan temple i'm not like so gung-ho that i've dropped everything else i think i did some weird kind of syncretism where i've you know been like oh dream weavers are cool and tarot is cool and astrology is cool My, you know western astrology and all that stuff um, but there is something that seems to always turn my head towards this direction just because I feel like it does really tune in with a level of um, renaturing, kind of like you're saying, in a very specific way that um, not most cultures that were advanced did. 
like they're they're one of the more recent cultures, you know, around that you know were industrial to a degree, and you know had buildings and aqueducts and all sorts of shit. Um, and they were they were living in a very different time. It's a, it's fascinating situation. Um, I want to read if you guys will let me just a uh, a page or two from this. Like I said, Mayan Oracle is called the Galactic a Galactic Light language, a language of light. It might resonate kind of with what you're saying um, in terms of the last thing. And then um, we'll get kind of a parting thought and and let you go because we have another guest after this. But is that cool with you guys? Yeah, definitely. Sure. All right. It's called The Mythic Call. I've read this to Raphael on another podcast probably, but um, for sure, at least once. So The Mythic Call, an invitation to transformation. Once upon a time, a galactic council was called, and a mythic call was sent out to countless light beings, the children of the sun, the angelic, wing one, the angelic winged ones, the sun runners, the rainbow warriors, and other luminous beings from many star systems. This great circle of light beings gathered from far and wide. At the appointed nexus, the love of the spinning galaxies entered, gracing them all with ravening celestial light and the following words, quote, you are being invited to incarnate upon a world where a great transformation is taking place, began the loving or the love of the spinning galaxies. You who respond and embody this call will go to a place where the illusions of fear and separation are being played out, and a galactic cycle of evolution is coming to both an end and a new beginning. I am calling those with the needed talents and gifts to act as my emissaries there, to lift and transform the frequencies of planet Earth simply by embodying and anchoring love's presence there. You will, by your very presence, transmute into love the vibration of fear that now blankets the consciousness there. In this myth, you will play yourselves, holy, innocent, divine children, child graders of this new reality of the golden octave. The love of the spilling galaxies continued. On, our, on other journeys, each of you has proven to be, quote, feeling navigators, able to awaken your consciousness and align your heart to the promptings of pure love and compassionate service. As sunrunners and torchbearers, you have already demonstrated that you will hold the light high, and so I invite you to incarnate en masse among the tribes of Earth to assist Gaia and all her children in their initiation of the transmutation of matter. This transformation coming to Earth is very rare and precious, even among the many circles, uh, even among the many miracles of the cosmos. The magnificence of your love, loving presence, will greatly assist the Earth in utilizing the alchemical frequencies of transformation that will open up new dimensional realities. You are diviners of harmony who transform simply through your vibrational presence. It is part of the plan that you will be veiled in forgetting so that you will experience directly what this level of fear and separation feels like, such that you can transform it from the inside out, the mystery of the spinning galaxies went on. However, as you remember the feeling of the sacred garden, of childlike innocence and trust, you will become the harmonic leavening in this cycle of initiation for Earth. You will incarnate strategically, often in some of the most vibrationally dense areas on the planet. You will embrace this mythic call, walking into this illusion, may forget the splendor of who you are as light beings, experiencing the overwhelming density of Earth. To some, this illusion of separation from love may create feelings of hopelessness, lack of support, and vibrational alienation. The very gifts which are being called forth to assist Gaia may be seen as a cause for resistance, fear, and projection by that which is being transformed. Yet it will be your love that will transform the depths of duality and your frequencies of light that will quicken the many. Your participation on this mythic quest is purely voluntary. However, this transformational shift on Earth is very rare and precious. The Earth is spinning into a powerful nexus of evolution. You are being invited to incarnate as a single global family on Earth. 
Should you choose to accept this mission, you will have the opportunity to catalyze and synthesize all that you have been during many incarnations, receiving a rarely offered quantum leap in consciousness. It is up to you as myth-makers to choose how you will dance with Terra Gaia and her children as she completes her ceremony of light, so spoke the light of the spinning galaxies. And so it was that luminous being, uh, and so it was that the luminous beings who formed the countless alliances, federations, and councils of the faithful of the stars chose to incarnate on planet Earth to assist in this crucial event, the awakening of consciousness from the dream of matter, form, and separation. As warned, many luminous beings have indeed forgotten who they are and why they came to Earth, but there was even a failsafe process built into the plan to awaken these beings from the veil of forgetfulness that is so rife upon Earth. The luminous ones who had who journeyed to Gaia's assistance agreed to spark each other's remembrance that the mythic grandeur of the cosmic play of light in the greater hologram would be played out victoriously. Thus, the star-seated ones were encoded in many ways with sounds, colors, lights, images, words, and symbols, a vibrational resonance that would assist them in remembering their commitment to the light. The celestial sounds of the crystal singers would catalyze deep remembrance of their star codings. It was agreed that these coded clues would appear everywhere, in visionary art and music, in penetrating looks, in speech and feelings, all creating a deep yearning to awaken and become the embodiment of love. These symbols would act as an alarm going off, assisting them in awakening and staying in their joy. These companions of destiny were encoded in, very, in, in the very cells of their bodies with the new galactic template and consciousness, awakening them to the power of their single presence, uh, simple presence rather, and love. So it is that you, the children of the sun, are now being bathed in the waters of remembrance, prepared as rainbow warriors to fulfill the promise of the new and ancient myth unfolding. You embody the key to igniting unity consciousness on earth, ushering Gaia and her children into the radiant robes of light. Know that the magic you were born with is indeed real. The feast of the light players is coming together to celebrate as one heart. By simply anchoring love's presence on earth, you lovingly draw down the mantle of the gods, sending waves of healing and uplifting energy throughout Gaia's eagerly receptive body. As you emerge in this time, your gifts awaken and empower others, utilizing the tools of laughter, song, dance, humor, joy, trust, and love. You are creating the powerful surge of transformation that will transmute the limitations of the old myth of duality and separation, birthing the miracle of unity, consciousness on earth. The time is now, luminous children of the sun. Incomprehensible is the joy of creation as you feel called together, together in ever-widening circles of the great heart mandala of light, which will one day ignite a critical mass triggering a power surge, which will transmute matter into a higher octave of being. You are called into wakefulness, sun-eyed children of the marvelous dawn. Ancient skywalkers, rise up. Utilize your gifts on behalf of Gaia. In a supernova of consciousness, Gaia and her children will ascend in robes of light, forming a luminous light body of love to be reborn among the stars. The mythic call has been sounded. The mythic quest begun. Awaken, rainbow warriors, sun runners, luminous beings from the galactic alliances, federations, and councils of the stars. Ancient skywalkers, stand in the beauty and the power of your true identity as love's gift to Gaia. Set aside self-doubt. You are the divine child of the sun. Go where your heart draws you to share your great gifts. Surrender the ma to the magic that you are as love, and the miracle will be manifested here on earth. Return to the garden. Return to the sun. Return to innocence. Return to the one. Remember, we dance and sing here for the one heart. So, I don't know how much that resonated with you, but that's coming from a Mayan oracle thing, so I'm imagining it's in line at some level with the Mayan thinking. We think that this is the perfect ending for our uh, talk today. Yeah, it's definitely resonating everything that uh, you read there. 
That's what's up. All right, Andra. Well, we've had a pleasure. We'll have to get you back on and shoot the shit again. Thanks for being so, uh, you know, accommodating with all these schedule shifts. Are there any kind of parting thoughts? We've, we're going to put your YouTube uh, channel in the l comments, links and stuff so people can check you out. Highly suggest it, folks. She's very informative, very grounded and, you know, helpful. So check out her YouTube channel. Um, any parting thoughts, Andra? Oh, well, parting thoughts. Uh, I would say that... Um especially in these times that we're in because there's uh this big conjunction happening on the 21st of uh december um what i've come to understand that the key to overcoming any because basically whenever this type of astrological portal opens up there are a lot of cleansings that need to happen within our being before we are able to tune into those higher frequencies um the idea is to remain present and to observe what is coming out of us, to try not to judge it and to see what the teaching and the meaning of those, let's say, unpleasant experiences actually is. Because all unpleasant experiences or storms, as I call them, are here to teach us valuable lessons about ourselves. And uh, the archetype of the 21st of December 2020 coming now is also the blue hand, but this time the uh, blue resonant, no, yeah, the blue resonant hand. Um, so it's going to uh, be interesting to see what's going to happen. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a time for healing, healing a lot of the unconscious beliefs inside of us, healing our fixed mental frames of reference through which we define reality so uh yeah let's uh let's stay present and love above anything else to love ourselves and to be patient with ourselves beautifully put uh i do hope people check her out um thanks again for coming on i think you're kind My of like a portal so i'm going to go through this direction i've got to commit to it it's like hey the magic will happen if you stay on the diet or whatever so it's like i gotta try this shit for real um yeah find the others guys it's that simple there's people out there who can turn you on to amazing magic never think they're not there just you got to keep your eyes no uh, ears open um rafael any parting thoughts just uh, thank you andrew for coming on uh, thanks everyone enjoy yourselves and uh, the time is now this last track i picked is a talking head song called houses in motion which made me think of all the wheels within wheels that kind of play off in the calendar so hopefully you enjoy it Radio -talk.